Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we are going to continue our conference previews among the Power Five with a look at the Atlantic Coastal Conference, the ACC, as it were. A lot of moving and shaking, a lot of changes for a conference that I think we all would agree underperformed in 2021 but I think they have a few teams that are capable of making the college football playoff and only one of them is Clemson right but we're going to talk about that at the top here with our five storylines my top five storylines going into the 2022 season in the ACC at number one I have one question what is Dabo Sweeney gonna do okay So the thing about Clemson in 2022 that is most interesting is that they are going to start the season without either Tony Elliott or Brent Venables as coordinators for the first time in a decade. Tony Elliott was at one point sharing that offensive coordinator position with Jeff Scott, who took a head coaching job at South Florida a couple years ago. He has since moved to Virginia to be head coach. Brent Venables, of course, has moved to Oklahoma to be head coach, which means that Dabo Sweeney is going to be breaking in brand new coordinators. Now, fortunately for Clemson, they are people that are familiar with the program. One of the things that I absolutely value about Clemson and Dabo Sweeney is that he likes to elevate from within. People that have joined his team, his culture, had have opportunities to receive raises, because they're always very well paid, and better titles, right? So now we're talking about what can Brandon Streeter do for that offense, and particularly with one DJ Uyunglele coming into what I think is a pivotal year for him because this is a draft-eligible year. That said, Clemson wasn't bad last year. They just lost to Georgia, and then we forgot about him. Lost to Georgia in a really, really tight ball game, but it felt not unlike LSU Texas in 28 or 2019, excuse me, when Texas seemed to sell out to try to beat LSU and came up short, and LSU goes off to win a national championship. Clemson sold out to try to beat Georgia, came up short, and finished 10-3. and three. That's not too shabby. But again, you had lots of continuity. You had outstanding players that you have to replace that we'll talk about here in just a little bit of time. So, coordinators, the way in which DJ Uyunglele tries to reform, uh, return to form in 2022, we'll see. My next question, among our top five storylines in the ACC, not really a question. It's a statement. In an era of reconstruction, I am betting 
on a Freeman. All right. So I, yours truly, have been riding the Marcus Freeman train for four years. And nobody was more excited to see the 36-year-old get his first opportunity to be a head coach than me at Notre Dame because when he made the lateral move, or what I thought was a lateral move, from defense coordinator at Cincinnati to defense coordinator at Notre Dame, I kept thinking, okay, who's going to absolutely give this dude the opportunity that he deserves to run the program? And then Jack Swarbick said, hey, RJ, I got you. I got you, and we're very excited about it. He's also been able to keep Tommy Reese as offensive coordinator, which I think is not too shabby and a tremendous, well, I would say higher, right? But ability to retain because between the two of those guys, Brian Kelly had two of the best coordinators in the country under the age of 40, right? Tommy obviously played quarterback at Notre Dame. And of course, Marcus Freeman played linebacker at Ohio State. I'm excited to see what the offense is capable of in this new era with a new starting quarterback we'll talk a bunch about and what the defense is capable of with a coordinator that knows from linebackers, a head coach that knows from linebackers and a safety and defensive back group in general that is going to be outstanding. So I'm betting on Marcus Freeman. I'll tell you about just why and how much a little bit later on in the show. The next item on our top five storylines in the ACC is NC State ready to become a problem. Okay, Wolfpack, I'm sure your mama, like my mama, said you could grow up to be anything you want in this world. I am asking you, choose to grow up and become a problem. All right? Now, the way to look at this is that NC State has 16 starters returning from a nine-win team in 2021. And for the last three years, they have progressively gotten better. 4-8 in 2019 to 8-4 in 2020 to 9-3 in 2021. This is the time for NC State to show us what's really good in a conference that has been dominated by the Clemson Tigers for the better part of a decade. At the center of all of that is quarterback Devin Leary, who passed for 3,433 yards, 35 touchdowns, just five interceptions last year. They're going to replace some of the guys he was throwing footballs to. But if you get outstanding play from your offense and your defense can get, you know, anything like turnovers on the floor, talk about that here in a bit, you are in a position to not just win your division, for which Clemson is in, and you'll play Clemson on October 1st, but to win the ACC championship and perhaps be the team that represents them in the college football playoff. Okay, moving from that one, to this one, fourth on our list of top five storylines. Will Virginia contend for the ACC title? Okay. Bronco Mendenhall shocked us all by just choosing to resign as head coach at a UVA program that had been pretty doggone good as far as I'm concerned. I thought that the Who's were absolutely getting after it when he decided, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore, which made room for Tony Elliott to come and take that job. Now, the reason that Virginia was anything like decent offensively is that Brendan Armstrong was able to pass 4,500 yards with a ton of touchdowns, 30-plus TDs, right, and not a whole lot of interceptions, okay? In a very rarefied era of the guy that can go for 4,700 total total yards and 30 TDs in the same season. I mean, guys like Bryce Young also fit over there. You get what I'm saying here. But a lot of that had to do with 
an offensive line that was pretty doggone good. So if you'll allow me, look at it this way. Virginia in 2021 had an offensive line that went from left tackle to right tackle, UVA, 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 UVA. Okay. This year, that same offensive line looks like this. UVA or USC, excuse me, SMU, Michigan, UVA, Central Florida. So you lost four of your five starters to the transfer portal, mostly because Bronco Mendenhall and Robert and I said, we're not going to do this anymore. So unless Tony Elliott is able to absolutely develop some offensive linemen I don't know about during this offseason, it's going to be difficult to protect Brendan Armstrong long enough to throw for 4,500 yards and 30 TDs again. That said, if they can do it, he's got threats, man. Like, if they can protect, you got threats in Keontae Thompson and Dontavion Wicks to say nothing of your running back group, which I think is going to be a lot better. But also, you got to keep a lid on the defense. Like, the Cavs gave up more booty than an 18th century British warship. Okay? We're talking about 446 yards, 32 points a game. You can't be giving up 500 you know, like jackpot. 500, you can't do that. In any in, in any level of football, and expect to be good, all right? It's real difficult. When you are the 120, I think it was, yes, the 121st ranked defense in the country, yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for you to contend for the ACC title. Okay, my last question among these top five storylines for the ACC, is Mario the man to bring back the U? All right. So Mario Cristobal made waves by leaving Oregon to come home as he saw it. This is after Miami had relieved Manny Diaz of his duties. Mario Cristobal comes in, and I expect right off the bat a couple of things to be pretty doggone good. One, tailbacks. Two, the offensive line, because that is what Mario Cristobal does. He is an outstanding offensive line coach, and he brought with him Alex Maribel, his longtime friend that has coached offensive line for him at Oregon and will coach offensive line for him at Miami to help with that. But to bolster that, they're bringing in the reigning Broyles Award winner in the country and Josh Gaddis. So you have an offensive mind that knows from offensive football. You know from offensive line play. And then you're adding 64-year-old Kevin Steele to be your defensive coordinator after he you know, basically got to Maryland long enough to I don't know, drop a box only to take a job at Miami after having uh, been the defensive coordinator at Auburn for so long and then losing out on that job to Brian Harson. But for that defense to be good, we're going to need Kevin Steele to try to keep a lid on it. One of the ways in which you can do that is by developing six foot five safety James Williams into the damn pterodactyl that I think he can be. Okay? The last guy that I got to see be the kind of pterodactyl that James Williams is capable of is Kyle Hamilton who I saw go from one hash, make a U, to the other hash, and pick up a pass. A pterodactyl. It's his field, wherever it is on a football field. James Williams has that same sort of talent. Along with Leonard Taylor, who at the nose tackle position, had nine and a half tackles for loss. He's going into an upperclassman year. If he can build that to, say, 16 and a half, even 19 tackles for loss, yeah, I think the Miami defense could actually resemble a hurricane going up and down the East Coast in the ACC. All right. From that segment, I want to pivot to this segment. Teams who will overachieve in 2022 playing the ACC. Again, we're including Notre Dame here 
because Notre Dame plays a mostly ACC schedule and has an open marriage with the ACC, even as a Catholic university. I'm never not going to point that out. I'm always going to point that out. That's the most fun thing to me ever. So you get to play in the ACC without any of the drawbacks to play in the ACC, and you get to have mostly a pretty doggone cool non-conference schedule. But the over-under on them is eight and a half. That means all they got to do is win nine games for you to get your money. And on this show, I like for you to get your money. You get your money, you're very happy with me. So Tommy Reese and Tyler Buckner are going to have to make use of Michael Mayer, you know, Mr. Halloween himself, who caught 71 passes for 840 yards last year at the tight end position. That's also going to be even more important as they suffered a couple of injuries to their wide receiver core. But more than that, you're going to need the offensive line to be good. And I mean that, like good. Because it doesn't matter if it's Chris Tyree back there or Kyron Williams who's gone to the NFL. If you can't protect anybody, it's going to be a long damn season. Now, the offensive line at Notre Dame gave up 35 sacks and 82 tackles for loss. That's bad, guys. That's not what Blake Fisher and Joe Alt are there to do. And now, by naming Tyler Buckner the starting quarterback, you have a dude who has in his DNA, if it's breaking down, I need to run. Now, there's only so much of that you can do before somebody absolutely decleats you, and you can't play much quarterback if you got a concussion, all right? So you have to give him every reason to stand back there and throw passes rather than take off running because you can't protect him. That's not a good recipe for anybody. Just ask Tommy Reese, who played quarterback at Notre Dame. Okay, defensively, I think they're going to be pretty doggone stout. We're talking about Brandon Joseph coming in to play some safety to replace an outstanding safety in Kyle Hamilton. But the thing is, Kyle Hamilton was All-American. Brandon Joseph was also an All-American at Northwestern. Do you know how hard it is to win All-American honors as a defender at Northwestern? That's what Brandon Joseph was capable of doing. I'm excited to see him in that defensive backfield for Al Golden, to which I'm saying to Al Golden, all I'm asking you, dog, all I'm really asking you is to not mess up a good thing. Okay? You got outstanding linebackers in J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser. Let those dudes seek and destroy. Okay, you have outstanding cornerback and defensive back play in Joseph, Cam Hart, Clarence Lewis. They're all good. All you got to do is stay out of their way. All right. Coach the linebackers up. Take the feedback from Marcus Freeman and make your mans look good. Your mans being me, Al. All right. I would like you to be golden. That's what I'm saying. So you got Clemson on November 5th. You make light work of Clemson because they are overrated and overranked. But, you know. That's what you do, apparently, if you are a pollster. You look at somebody's resume for the past 10, 20, 30 years, and you say, yeah, I'll rank them like Michigan. Not going to let that go either. Y'all, we going to have this one out all year because y'all chose to make it a thing. I didn't want to make it a thing. I like talking about the stuff I like. I just left them off, and now I got to talk about it. Now, talking about Notre Dame being good, which, by the way, for me, brand new, man. I've never had good things to say about Notre Dame, and all of a sudden— Marcus Freeman gets the job, and, I, and I'm looking around here for an Irish jersey. You know how wild that is for me? Like, my parents don't even recognize me. It's like, for real, you going with this dude with the natural? Like, hey, look, any man that looks like Marcus Freeman and can get an edge up in South Bend like Marcus Freeman got my full support, all right, having been to South Bend and trying to find an edge up. Saying, man, whatever the dorm room culture over there, it's got to be elite. Okay, another team, I believe, will overperform a touchdown a little bit earlier in the show 
North Carolina at over eight and a half. Again, I think the way to look at this is all the good things you saw from Pitt last year, Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, right, Mark Whipple, are things that I'm going to point you to for North Carolina State this year. They have all the continuity. Dave Doran has been doing an outstanding job in that state for the last three years and finally going to start paying some attention there. I mentioned that Devin Leary is coming off of an outstanding season with 3,400-plus passing yards, 35 TDs, and five interceptions. But really, the way to look at this is that the North Carolina State defense was outstanding. 14th in the entire country in scoring defense. And they returned a ton of that talent on that 2021 defense, led by safety Tanner Ingle, who was all ACC first team with 82 tackles at the safety position. But the reason I'm so bullish on this defense is they were good at picking off passes. They were terrible at recovering forced fumbles. They forced 11 fumbles. They recovered not a single one of them. If they even got five of those, that's a change of possession. That's up to six, seven points for your team if you just get your hands on the ball after you knock it loose. They have Clemson October 1, for which I guess the rest of the country will catch up to where we are in August going, we told you the Wolfpack was going to be good. And if they're not, we just won't mention it. <laughs> now, to teams who will underachieve. At the top of the list for me is Clemson at 10.5. That means to get your money, they got to win 11 games. They got to win 11 games without Brent Venables, Todd Bates, who is responsible for those outstanding defensive lines, and Tony Elliott. That's a tall task for me, even if it is Dabo Sweeney as the head coach there. And then you need DJ Uwe Ungulele to play like the kind of player his talent leads you to believe he could become. This is a guy who completed just 56% of his passes with 10 TDs to 9 interceptions, or excuse me, 9 TDs to 10 interceptions in 2021. He's also got an extremely talented quarterback in Cade Klubnik breathing down his neck. At one point, I thought that DJ Uli Unglele was a better player, or could be a better player, than Trevor Lawrence. And he showed some of that in 2020 when Lawrence was more forced to miss games due to COVID. He brought Clemson back from 18 down against Boston College in a win and played outstanding football against Notre Dame in South Bend. Haven't seen that guy since. Would love to see that guy in 2022. You're also going to need outstanding play from the wide receiver group. Now, this is a place that has just one big play threat returning on the outside in Jonata, and he had just 23 catches all of last year. You're going to need somebody else to step up there. Justin Ross is gone. You also need Kobe Pace or Will Shipley to prove they are the bell cow back. Between the two of them, they had 1,400 yards rushing and 17 TDs. But I need one of those guys to rise to the level of a Travis Etienne, and I think they could do that. I think that's within both of them. I would have bet on Shipley before last year. Now, I can't call it, but I'm going to have to see it for Clemson to get anything like close to 10 wins, let alone 11. Defensively, Brian Brzee, Tyler Davis, Miles Murphy, Sheridan Jones, that's going to be really the backstop of your defense because there is no James Skalski anymore, right? You got to figure out what that looks like and how to get past that at the Mike linebacker position. Maybe Tyler Davis is that guy for you. Hopefully he's that guy for you. Otherwise, it's going to be real tough sledding for Clemson, but I'm just not willing to bet on them winning 11 games this year given all the change that they have and how much stouter I think the AC has become, uh, ACC has become. Another team that I think is going to underachieve is Virginia at under 
I mentioned the problems with the offensive line. I don't need to go any further than that. Defensively, I mentioned that they were bad. You also got a change in coordinator. You got a change in head coach. You don't have a whole hell of a lot of continuity, and Tony Elliott's going to figure out just how difficult it is to compete in that division, let alone try to win the ACC championship against his former employer, that is Clemson, and it's been theirs for some time. Okay, let's move from that segment to this segment. The best bet to put money in the bag. All right, love this one, okay? There's actually two here that I'm excited about because they're really good FCS teams to say nothing of the teams that they're going to play against or in some moment of change. So at number one, I have Richmond at UVA. This game is also going to be worth $430,000 to the Richmond Spiders. Now, the Spiders have entered into the preseason poll at number 25, according to Hero Sports, which covers a whole bunch of FCS topics and does a fantastic job there. They're coming off a 6-5 and five record last year, but if you were paying attention, they won their last four in a row. They feel very good. Defensively, they have linebacker Tristan Wheeler coming back from two back-to-back 100-tackle seasons, and he is an All-American at the Redshirt Jr., and then offensively, they have quarterback Reese Udinsky, who's coming back as the FCS top returning passer with over 7,800 pass yards and 48 TDs in 27 games. If that name sounds familiar, he did a short bit at Maryland where he was going to do the guy that was supposed to be challenging Talia Tungavaloa. Just didn't work out that way. Now he's back at Richmond. I think they have an opportunity to catch Virginia unaware or off guard or just not prepared based on all the change that Virginia's seen. Okay. Next team that I think we need to talk about that is probably or could put money in the bag, North Carolina, who's going to host Florida A&M, and that game is worth 450 grand to Florida A&M. Now, North Carolina also is in a season of change, okay? Changing up the defensive coordinator, Mac Brown has tabbed Gene Chizik to come in, try to help him rebuild this defense into something that is elite, At a moment when nobody knows who the quarterback is going to be, and Phil Longo's got a really tough decision there with Jacoby Criswell and Drake May. If Drake May's name sounds familiar, he was at one point committed to Alabama, flipped his commitment to North Carolina. Not unlike when Sam Howell was committed to Florida State, flipped his commitment to North Carolina. And Mac Brown would be the first person to tell you, and I give him a lot of credit for this. North Carolina got to be good and feel good because Sam Howell picked them. He is a change agent for the Tar Heels. That's a difficult kind of player to replace. Just is. And that is the most singular position in all of sports, let alone at any program at a season of change, is to know that you got to break in a new guy at quarterback. So that's tough. Coming off a 6-7 and seven year in which they started the year last year as preseason number 10, you just squandered the last year of Sam Howell, and it didn't go as well as you want. Now, what Gene Chizik has that I think – could prove hard against Florida A&M is outstanding cornerback play. Tony Grimes and Storm Duck, really great corners, okay? To say nothing of great names. Grime Time and Storm Duck. Love this. Tony Grimes also reclassified to get to North Carolina early, not unlike Quinn Ewers did a year later to get to Ohio State early before transferring to Texas. But the problem for them is Florida A&M is good. Like, legitimately good and they've gotten better they added isaiah conley who transferred in from coastal carolina to florida a&m 
and he's got a lot of tread left on those tires. You might even say he's on the softs. 19 carries, 94 yards at Coastal. He's going to try to help them make up for the loss that, well, losing Bishop Bonnet is, right? 972 rush yards for the Rattlers last year. Outstanding for them. If Willie Simmons identifies the right guy to be the quarterback for that game, could be some fireworks, right? Rayshon McKay and Vandy transfer Jeremy Mosa are the two guys that are competing for the job. Rayshon is probably the dude that most people expect to start the season, but I don't know if he's going to finish that. This is a guy who got the bench during the game against Jackson State. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But Florida A&M lost 7-6 to a Jackson State team that everybody believes is good. Won 11 games. Is in the hero top 25 at number 19. And in the Orange Blossom Classic, which is basically, for me, the biggest bowl game of the preseason or of the, of the start of the season, that team is probably going to be the front runner, the presumptive favorite, to win the SWAC and the Black College Football National Championship. What I'm saying here is you're playing one of the better teams in HBCU football and FCS football to open your season at North Carolina at a season of change. Okay, The only thing you have going for you is that you won a bunch of games at Keenan Stadium. You are 0-6 away from them. Now you got to uh, ask Florida A&M to come up from Tallahassee to see if they'll just collect their money and leave or if they'll collect their money and take that W with them. I'm excited to see what this looks like. Okay, from that part, let's go to players who will have a breakout year in 2022 inside of the ACC. Again, I'm going to leave with a Notre Dame player here knowing that they don't play for an ACC championship, but open marriage with the ACC. So... That means I get to pick Tyler Buckner as a player I expect to have a breakout year in the ACC. He had three, excuse me, not through, yeah, through, through three touchdowns last year, and he also threw three interceptions last year, 21 to 35, 298 yards, but also ran the ball 46 times for 336 yards. That is basically saying the dude was better with his feet than he was throwing the football, but that does not underscore what I think the benefit of having him as a signal caller is in the offense, which is to say Buckner averaged 11.8 yards per snap as the quarterback last year in eight games at Notre Dame. What I'm telling you is every time he snapped the football, they were likely to get a first down. That's nothing to sneeze at. That means the offense itself was operating at a very high level because of who he is. Now, a big part of who he is, as I just alluded to, is He's going to take off and run with the football. Now, I've been made to understand by our lead producer, Tyler Wojak, that y'all feel about Tyler Buckner in South Bend the way I used to feel about Kyler Murray at Oklahoma, which is every time you take off like a race car in the middle of a bunch of monster trucks and you don't slide, I am going to lose my mind, okay? I can't have you getting hurt because you get hurt. You can't play quarterback, all right? You got a concussion. They're not going to let you play quarterback. Learn to slide. Step out of bounds. It's all right. Nobody is going to call you soft for it. And if they do, you tell them to come see the Irish fans. They got your back, dog. You know what that Subway alumni like. They don't put up with none of that. And I'm saying this as a dude that knew that Kyler Burry was playing baseball and that his future at the time was still playing baseball. And to know that that's a dude that just wouldn't slide would gall me to no end? Oh, my God. Hey, look, as a short king, I'm telling you, y'all all I got, man. All right, Tyler? Y'all all I got. I, I'm in the barbershop having to pick fights 
over hey man chill out with that short stuff all right deuce vaughn over here being an all-american do you really want me to get these hands going with you this is who tyler buckner is for me i'm expecting you to have a 3,000, 1,000 year, uh year season and you can't do that unless you get down on the ground ian book got it down on the ground you can get down on the ground it's gonna be all right okay another player that i'm kind of gonna fudge on this and say is gonna have a breakout year because he basically had a breakout year but I'll get to that. Sean Tucker at Syracuse. Now, the reason I'm including him here, he had 1,500 yards, one, nine 100-yard rushing games on a team that went 5-7 and seven last year. That's why I'm including him here. I don't think y'all know who Sean Tucker is. I think Sean Tucker is one of the best tailbacks in all of college football, and he was last year, right? The way that people were talking about Kenneth Walker III is the way that they would have been talking about Sean Tucker if they won 11 games, but they didn't. And that is going to be the issue for Dino Babers. Now, he gets Robert and I, the offensive line, or not offensive line, offensive coordinator coming from Virginia and was at BYU. Those offenses have been pretty doggone good. I don't know if Garrett Schrader's the guy. I just know that Tommy DeVito ain't there no more, and he's at Illinois. I saw Garrett Schrader last year. I saw Garrett Schrader at Mississippi State. I'm not that impressed, which is to say that Sean Tucker's going to get a lot of work here. But Syracuse returned 17 starters from last year. But that ain't the same as returning 16 for NC State because they weren't any good. You got a lot of work to do if you're Dino Babers to try to convince me or anybody else that you're going to be able to make some noise in the ACC. You're going to have to beat the hell out of some people and you're going to have to do it with some measure of, well, gap, if you were. You're going to have to create a gap, right? You're going to have to make it so that they can't get into the DRS zone with you. What I'm saying is, if you go beat up on a Clemson or you go beat up on a Notre Dame or you go beat up on somebody that's good, we can start talking about good Syracuse football. But, you know, I, I can't remember the last time we were able to do that with any sort of regularity. Okay. How many teams from this conference will play or can compete, I should say, in the college football playoff? I got it at basically four, Notre Dame, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina State. The reason I got Clemson in here is because y'all would yell at me if I didn't have Clemson in here. But, man, the AP ranking them at number four, and even me ranking them at number 10, feels like a stretch. I mean, we saw Clemson be unranked last year at a portion of the season. That ain't the kind of team that makes the college football playoff, especially losing those important pieces that you had in place last year. Notre Dame, I think the schedule just sets up for them to make some noise. It's appropriately tough. It's appropriately weak. And they have an opportunity to get to November 5th, beat up on Clemson, and then nobody's going to bat an eye at Notre Dame getting a slide into a college football playoff without having won an ACC championship. Because apparently, this is the way y'all want it. I, I don't blame the system anymore. I blame us. We let Notre Dame exist in this way. I'm not here for it. Even BYU is joining a conference. Straight up. They're joining the Big 12. What's it going to take for Notre Dame to act like the rest of us, all right? I'm saying, man, I, I, you're gonna get everything you want if you run the table in your Notre Dame. North Carolina State, you're gonna get everything you want if you beat up on Clemson October 1st and you make it to the ACC championship with the one win. Some things happen in the Big 12, some things happen in the Pac-12. You gotta, you gotta hope that the SEC just has one worthy team, but they're probably gonna have two. Big Ten's gonna get one team in. There's room for you to have a one-loss NC State there, really a one-loss ACC champion there, and get there because, again, 
you ain't got to play Notre Dame in no ACC championship game. And the other team is Miami in that I just like the momentum that they have. I like the coordinators. I think Josh Gaddis is extremely good as an offensive coordinator. I think Kevin Steele is good enough. I think Mario Cristobal has enough of the U wrapped around him. But it's been – it's literally been 20 years since I thought of Miami as anything like the U. Like I really wish they would stop saying at this point because you're, you're just – you're embarrassing us. You're embarrassing me. Who has to talk about Ed Reed? Who has to talk about Sean Taylor? Who has to talk about Ray Lewis, Millis McGahee, Clinton Portis, Ken Dorsey? Y'all need to retire the U like you retired the turnover chain because you're sullying it. You're sullying it. Till you win an ACC championship, you give me an 11-12 win season, I don't want to hear jack about Miami being anything like the U. You can't even rope off the state of Miami anymore. The Orange Blossom Classic is going to be in Miami. And I dare say Jackson State and Florida A&M are going to pull more players from South Florida than Miami. Mario, this is what you signed up for. Now, if you're able to turn Tyler Van Dyke and Clemson transfer Frank Ladson into a real partnership, if Jalen Knighton and Henry Parrish can run the ball, if the offensive line can protect them and move people out of the damn way, if James Wilson uh, Williams can be a friggin' pterodactyl on the defense, if Leonard Taylor can rip people's face mask off and then go scoop slams to quarterbacks, then we can talk about Miami playing in a college football playoff with some real recognition here. But this is me wanting you to be good. That's why I have you here. I want you to be good. Now, I'm probably going to get clowned for having you here, but I have you here because you're such a big part of my childhood and my adulthood, quite frankly, and Mario Cristobal was able to do the damn thing in Oregon. Oregon! You know what kind of football tradition Oregon has? Yeah, none. Since 1994, that's what the program has been. My goodness. Did not expect to get fired up about Miami. Who will play in the ACC championship is the last question we have to address here. I have Miami and North Carolina State. I talked too long about Miami already. I really feel good about what North Carolina State can do, but that is all contingent upon them beating Clemson on October 1st. I think they can do it. I think this is the year to do it. I think NC State can be a problem and have people talking about them in a very real and cool way for the first time since Russell Wilson decided to leave them and go to Wisconsin. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the number one ranked show. My thanks, as always, to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our director is John Marcus. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our lead of screening is Rachel Cohn. Our coordinating producer is Catherine Donnelly, and I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all in a couple of days when we preview the SEC. Doses.